All right, well, how are we doing this morning, my friends? Well, good. I am glad to be here, excited to uh, do a little speaking, do a little more wandering together. Um, we're continuing this wandering series where we're uh, wandering through the desert with the Israelite. Israel, I can't talk today. Here we go. I'm just going to just move on. Um, but before we uh, get into things, get into the scripture, I have a little game for us to play to get our minds um, thinking and uh, get our, our voices um, speaking. You, you have permission to speak in church, so I'm going to show um, some pictures on the screen, okay? And they're going to be similar, but they're going to be different. And here is your, your goal, your simple goal. I have five differences between the pictures, and I just want you to shout them out, okay? No raising hands here. I just want you to shout them out once you see them, okay? And we're going to do this together, okay? We're going to see if you can do it faster than 930, all right? I believe in you guys. Here we go. Spot those differences. Smile on the sun, birds, beard, mummy, camel. Whoa, okay, that was way quicker than the 930. You guys, you guys are impressive. Um, and I, I sent you on a mission here, right? I wanted you to be able to spot the difference. I wanted you to be able to see what the difference was between the two pictures. And today, uh, we're going to talk about some, some fun things. We're going to talk about following rules. Who loves rules? That's right, that's what I thought, not a lot of people, um, and obedience and holiness and all that fun stuff. So that's what we're going to talk about. And through my studies, um, I've, I've figured out that obedience is kind of like this picture that I see, that, that living holy set apart is you are able to spot the difference. That you are able to separate yourselves from unclean and clean things. We see here in verse 25, it says, You must therefore make a distinction between ceremonially clean and unclean animals, and between clean and unclean birds. You must not defile yourself by eating any unclean animal or bird or creature that scurries along the ground. I have identified them as being unclean for you. So holiness is being able to spot the difference is to be able to see the difference between an unclean and clean lifestyle and separate yourself from that unclean lifestyle. We're going to start to run towards what is clean. That is what holiness, that's what obedience looks like, right? And God calls the Israelites to be distinct, to be different, to be distinguished by making conscious decisions saying, hey, I'm going to talk this way. I'm going to follow these rules. I'm going to treat people this way, I'm going to not do these things, I'm going to think this way, I'm going to, you know, all of that, right? God has called the Israelites to be different, to be distinct. And I was really proud of you guys, you did that really fast. You were able to spot the differences, right, between those two pictures. And guess what? God is saying, go be like that. God is saying, go be, be distinguished, be set apart, be able to, to have other people look at you when you go into work, when you go into school, where, wherever you go. You should be able to be looked at, and people should be able to spot the difference in you and how you are acting. And uh, I'm, I'm a Husky fan. Is anybody, any other dogs in the house? Any other Husky fans? Or am I going to be really alone today? Thanks, Mom. My mom's here for me. <laughs> Okay, um, so part of being a Husky fan is not being a Cougar fan. That is, that is how a dog is, okay? So um, we're, we're supposed to bleed purple and gold, and we're supposed to not like the crimson and gray people, right? Um, so 
that, that's, that's who I love. I love the Huskies. I follow them. And now imagine if I was going to a, a football game, Washington versus Washington State, and then, I, and then the game is at Cougar Stadium, right? And imagine if I walk into the stadium and I'm just wearing normal clothes. Nobody will know that I'm a Husky fan. Nobody will know that I like, care about the Huskies and root for them. They'll just think that I'm a Cougar fan. Um, and, and that will be, I'll just blend in. I, I will not be distinct. But imagine if everybody is wearing crimson and then I'm wearing purple. I'm going to stand out. I'm going to look very, very different. I'm, I'm bleeding purple and gold wherever I go, baby. I don't care if, if, it's, if it's at Cougar Stadium. I am going to wear my purple because I want to look distinct. I want to look different. And that's what, that's what God is saying again. He's saying, man, you need to be able to stand out even when everybody else is different. When everybody else is not following the rules, which is really frustrating, then I have to follow the rules, right? But God is calling us to, 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 to stand out, to, to rep his team when everybody else is on the opposite team. But here's the thing. If I would walk into that stadium, the only person wearing purple, that's really intimidating for me because I stand out and uh, Cougar fans might not be nice to me, right? So it takes guts for me to walk into that place and, you know, I love the dogs. I know that all of you don't, but I'm going to act this way. I'm going to look different. It takes commitment, right? It takes commitment to walk into that stadium looking totally different, standing out, being different, being distinct, being distinguished. And in order to stand out as a crowd in the Husky Stadium or in the Cougar Stadium or as a Christian man, it takes commitment. And this is how God sees our relationship with the law. He sees that, that we should have commitment towards the law. That is our relationship with the law. It says this um, in, in the Leviticus passage that we read. It says, You must keep all of my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. Otherwise, the land to which I am bringing you as your new home, this is my new favorite Bible verse, will vomit you out. That's so intense, dude. Like, the land is going to vomit you out. I don't know what that looks like, but I did not want to find out what that means, okay? I don't know if you're with me on that one, right? But the key word in this scripture is practice. We're talking about practice. It says, you must keep all my decrees and regulations and put them into practice. Here's the thing. Holiness has to be habitual, it needs to be a habit of our, our, our lives. God said it right here. I need you to practice it or else you're going to get vomited out. You need to make this a habit, right? But why, right? So often we hear, you have to do this and you have to do this, but you never hear the why. And hopefully today we're going to discover the why of why we have to follow the rules, why we are called to be obedient, why we are called to be able to be set apart. And here's why. In our wanderings, in our deserts, man, when it's hot, when I'm, I'm complaining and it's, I've been walking a lot, right? We let things slide. We see that with the Israelites. Man, they were complaining. They were in, 400, they were in slavery for 400 years, right? And then they wanted to go back to that. Like, what? In their, their desert caused them to complain. They wanted meat, so they wanted to go back to Egypt, Right? They, they turned on one another and they started treating each other not super awesome the way that God has designed it to be. And we're going to talk about this next week, and it's crazy. They literally created a God out of gold and their jewelry and their earrings. Right? In the Israelites wandering in their desert, they let things slide. They messed up. 
They were doing this for 40 years, though, so I don't blame them, right? They were in the desert for 40 years in the hot, and they don't have a home. They don't have a toilet, right? Like, that, that would just bug me, right? If I had to wander 40 years without a toilet, right? And there's some side effects to this wandering. There's side effects to the desert, and one of them is disobedience. In our deserts, man, the, the side effect of that wandering is disobedience, and the wandering and the deserts that you are, we're not literally in a desert, but we are uh, metaphorically in deserts at times. And there's things that we let slide. There's disobedience that comes out of our deserts. And I remember um, one of my deserts as a young high schooler. Um, I was, I was um, in love with somebody. I was infatuated with somebody. And I was about to ask her to be my girlfriend. I was really excited. It was Valentine's Day, so it's special. I mean, come on. I'm, I'm doing, doing it right. I got tons of Valentine's Day cards. I got flowers, and I put it in her locker, spent tons of time, got to school way early. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm so awesome. I'm so romantic. She's going to say yes. It's going to be amazing. I get to school. You know, we've kind of been a thing, and I'm going to make it official. And she just ignores me. She knows that I put that in her locker. She doesn't talk to me all day. And I'm just so sad. And then it gets worse. I'm at dinner with my parents, and um, I get a text, and she says, uh, I don't want to be with you anymore. On Valentine's Day, over text, she breaks up with me, and I just, I lost it. I bawled, like, that whole night, and for months, I was just, I was just wrecked. I, this was a desert season for me, and I started to let things slide. I only played video games. I just played video games. I played way too much Call of Duty. I'm not proud of it. But I played way too many video games, and because of that, I was just like, I don't care about school. This isn't important. I'm going through something right now, right? So school isn't important. Other things are more important. Didn't really help around the house, right? And then I, I started to adopt a certain type of language that I was so frustrated. I don't even think my parents know this. I just, I was a sailor, dude. I, I would just curse and swear to anybody and everybody because I was just mad at the world and I let them know how I feel. And then, and yeah, there's more, right? My, one of my best friends started dating this girl. That's, that's not cool. And because of my new um, vernacular, I, I let him know how angry I was. And I yelled at him and I cussed him out and I screamed at him, at him. And if you know me, and my parents know me, this is not like me at all. This is not, like, I'm, I'm not like this. But because of my brokenness, because of that desert that I was in, because of that wandering, man, I let things slide. And I let disobedience take the reins, and, man, it took control of me. The desert that you are walking through right now is a breeding ground for disobedience. In the deserts, the, the warm, tired places that we are in, the, the suffering that we have to endure, man, it is a breeding ground for disobedience. And what it does, it leads you further and further and further and further away from God, the source of direction in the desert. The compass that we need in the desert, our disobedience, our sin, separates us from God. And that's, that's the power of disobedience in our wandering. When we're in a desert, when we need God the most, our disobedience drives, him further and, or drives us further and further away from him. And here's the cool part. God gives us this rhythm of rules in order to have this survival tool or a compass in the desert. 
God says, hey, I see that you're walking away. I see that you're struggling. Let me help you. I'm going to give you this rhythm of rules in order to help you in this season of wandering. See, God brings structure to chaos in the desert. The, The Israelites are chaotic. They can't get control of themselves. They keep messing up. And God says, here, let me bring some structure to this. I'm going to help you out, and I'm going to do that via rules. Our deserts create this opportunity for us to wander away from him, but rules create us to come back to him. And we see that, that God uses these rules to be in community with his people. It's not to uh, boss people around. It's not to say, you have to do this and do that and do this, and then you're in the club. No, it's he wants to be with you. God wants to be with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And, and rules is an avenue in his way to being with you, right? So God has created this community to be in community with God, but also with rules, right? This is not, these are not sold separately, right? Like, they, they, don't, they don't go apart, right? They, they, you got, it's a package deal. You got to have that together. Community and this obedience, following the law. And part of being adopted into this family, into this community of, of God, is that We adopt his wills and his ways and his rules and his laws. Part of being in the family of God is saying, yeah, God, your way is good. I like the way that you do things. I like the rules that you have for me. And sometimes you might not even like them, but it's saying, yeah, I'm going to abide by this. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but um, I had rules growing up in, in the family, right? That there was a certain way that we had to do things. I had a time that I had to go to bed. That was good for me because I need my beauty sleep, right? Or else I'm really cranky in the morning. There was things that we could not watch. There was things that we could watch. It was ways of how we participate in the family. And there's this, this one thing that I per- particularly remember is Saturday mornings, right? It's, it's how it's must clean on Saturday mornings, right? That's what we do. I, I get to clean the toilet. I get to clean my room. And then after I'm done with that, I get to go out with dad and, and mow the lawn, rake some leaves, do some weeds, right? Like that is part of, of what we did as Houtsmas. And I think I even remember a time of my dad saying, this is what Houtsmas do. We do this. We, we take care of our house. <laughs> there was a way that, that my family acted. There was a way that we talked. And sometimes I, I broke those rules, right? As we learned earlier, there's, there's ways that, that we interacted with each other. There's ways that we worked, we laughed, and we loved. There was a, a boundary to that. There was a way that we do. But here's the thing. Does that make me a houtsma? The things that I do, cleaning the toilet on a Saturday morning, does that deem me a houtsma? No. I, I didn't clean my toilet yesterday, and I am still Tyler Houtsma today, right? That is not where I get my identity from. Where I get my identity from is my parents. My dad's last name is Houtsma, and then my mom married him. Her last name is Houtsma. They had me. I'm a Houtsma. That's how I'm who I am. That's where I get my identity from. That's where you get your identity from. You get it from your parents, and I want to I read this scripture. It says, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. You are who you are because of who God is. Not because of what you do, but because of who God is. God is holy, therefore you are holy. You are who you are because your heavenly Father, God, is holy. You are because he is 
But here's the thing. I don't want us to get caught up in, in talking about obedience, about following the rules, as that's, that's where we get our identity from, because that is, that is a lie. We do not get our identity from who we are. That is not the identity giver. God is the identity giver. Right? Well, let's, let's read this Romans 3 passage, and let's see what uh, part of being uh, in the family of God means. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. I want to read that last line again. Well, then, if we emphasize faith, does that mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. We don't find our identity in what we do, but who we are is, is people who are obedient. We're people who follow the law. Just because we have faith in, and that's how we save doesn't mean that we say, screw it. This is part of who we are. And here's the cool thing. God doesn't want you to be a robot, right? He's not like, he doesn't want you to be this AI system that he's programmed to do whatever he wants you to do. God is more about relationships than robot, robots. And here's the thing, holiness creates relationship, not robots. Your obedience, the way that you follow rules does not make you a robot. It makes you in relationship with your heavenly father. But God wants his people to be in relationship and he wants that to be a loyal relationship. And here's the tricky part. If we focus all on this obedience, then we have this work-based faith that if, I, if I'm just obedient, if I do everything that God tells me to do, then I, I'm making my way to heaven, baby, right? I got my, my ticket, and, and here we go. And the opposite side, if I'm all about relationship, I'm like, rules are not important because grace, and, and I can just take advantage of that, right? We have these two extremes, but God says, let's put them together. I want relationship with you, and I want you to be loyal, you see the difference there? He wants both of those. And here's the cool part. In my study, this, this was revolutionary for me. When I come back to the conclusion that rules are about community, rules are about relationship, about me being with God, rules have nothing to do about me. When I'm obedient, that has nothing to do about me because I can't earn my way to heaven, right? That, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do about others, and when we think about our obedience uh, being not about ourselves and about others, we adopt this, this lifestyle that God teaches us about community and relationship. It says, uh, the same scripture that, that we just read, it says, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. And here's the, here's the cool part. Our obedience is like a mirror that reflects who God is. When we are obedient, when we follow the, the way that God operates, people see who God is. Our obedience is like a mirror that reflects who God is. His character, his emotions, what he's about, his, his, his idea on things. 
right? And you and I are created in the image of God, right? We are image bearers and we carry this responsibility to, to show everybody else, this is who God is. This is what he's about. This is what he says about this. And this is the why behind obedience. It's not so we follow the rules and you can get it done. You can check it off the list. It's so that we invite people to come to know who God is. When we live distinct, when people are able to look at us and say, I see the difference in you, man. Like, you're different. Why are you reacting that way? We introduce them to our Heavenly Father when we act that way. I uh, get to work at a elementary school, and it was really fascinating. This last week, as I was preparing for this message, these students started to ask me, like, questions. And they said, hey, Mr. H, that's what they call me at school. They say, yo, Mr. H, uh, do you smoke weed? Hey, Mr. H, uh, do you get wasted on the weekends? Hey, Mr. H, have you ever been arrested? Have you ever been in a cop car? Mr. H, do you, like, do you cuss? Do you swear? And I was able to openly say, hey, this is how I live my life. And, and they're like, oh, that's different. Like, why do you do that that way? And one kid, this is really interesting, he said, oh, so you know Jesus. You, you go to church? Isn't that, isn't that wild? And why did it happen this week? I don't know. God is crazy. He's, he's interesting. But because I was able to be open, because I was saying, hey, guys, this is how I live. Because I was different. That's different than what they see in, in their homes and in their friends, right? Because I was open and I was actively obedient, man, it sparked curiosity in those students. They're like, oh, you're different. Oh, and the different thing about you is you follow that Jesus dude with the sandals and stuff and long hair, right? Like that's what he looks like, right? When we are obedient, when we follow these rules, man, we spark curiosity in the world. When the world is able to spot the difference in you, wherever you go, in your grocery store, at work, wherever, they see God. They don't see you, they see God. It's not about you, it's about others. Your obedience is not about you, it's about others. And I sound kind of harsh there, but it's not about you. I think that's kind of freeing too. God, through his laws, through his rules, through his, his ways, and he chooses you, he chooses me, and he chose the Israelites to have this important role. We're, we're, we're on his team, and he's involving us on this mission. And he's saying, go let people know what I'm about. Let's unfold my plan for, for my people, my identity. You have an important role. He chose you. He didn't just choose me as a pastor or a missionary. He chose you, and don't take that lightly. He chose you to go on mission. He chose you. You're that important to him that you are chosen to go out on mission and reveal who he is and what he's about. And we're seeing obedience is important. It's not just following rules so I'm doing what he says. Man, it's important because obedience is missional. Obedience is missional. And our obedience sends us on a mission to preserve the knowledge of God. It creates us to be active, to be moving, not stagnant anymore. Matthew 5, starting verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt becomes tasteless, by what will it be made salty? It's good for nothing any longer except to be thrown outside and trampled underfoot by people. 
You are the light of the world. A city located on top of a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and place it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it shines on all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people, so that they can see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I want to read that last line again. In the same way, let your light shine before people. In other ways, be set apart, be different. Let people see the difference in you so that they can see your good works. Not so you see the glory of yourself, but to glorify your Father who is in heaven. You get a new nickname today. God calls you your salt. They call you salt now. You're the salt of the earth. And the salt is so cool. I don't know if you know this, but the salt has so many different meanings and imageries, right? Salt um, is, in the Bible times, it was used as currency, right? So it has value. So God looks at you and he says, man, you're valuable. You're the salt of the earth. You are valuable. That he's, he is using you in his plan. You are valuable to him. You play a crucial role in this whole thing. Salt also preserves things. When you put it on meat, you, you can keep it lasting longer, right? Because I don't want rotten meat to eat, right? So salt, thank goodness, it preserved that. And last, I, I was, it was interesting in my study, rabbis back in the, the, back in the good old days, right, they would, they would use salt as an imagery of wisdom. They would say salt equals wisdom. And here's where it gets really interesting. The phrase lost its taste in Greek means that you are becoming foolish, so we're, coming, we're, we're starting out wise and becoming foolish when it loses its taste. And I'm not calling anybody a fool here today, but when, when someone is foolish, right, they don't have influence in your life, right, compared to a wise person. A foolish person does not have the same amount of influence as someone who is wise, and God is saying, don't lose your taste. You're going to lose your influence, that's, that's the why behind obedience. When we are, are disobedience, and remember our wanderings, our deserts are this breeding ground for disobedience. If we, if we are living a life of disobedience, we don't stick out. We don't have our taste anymore. We don't, we don't add that Jesus flavor, right? The mission that God has sent you and I on is to preserve this knowledge of God. And as tasteless salt, we, we aren't doing a good job at that. So here's the thing. We remain obedient to remain on mission. We remain faithful to the way that God has called us to live because we remain on the mission that he sent us. Not to earn anything, not to look different, not, look, not to look good, but to remain on mission. We remain obedient in order to remain on mission. And you get one more nickname God says, you are the light of the world. And here's the thing about light. Light makes things different. Watch this. Whoa. It's different, right? This is a total different room. The light has this distinctness. It makes an environment a total different place. You can turn the lights back on, Cabin. And here's the thing, right? It's said in the scripture, why would, we, why would we have a light and then put a basket over it? Light loses its distinctness when it is covered. 
And I like to think about it like this. A secret disciple, someone that's trying to blend in and, and walk around and, and, and be stealthy, right? As a stealthy Christian, a secret Christian is not a distinct disciple or a distinct Christian. There's this uh, movie series that uh, my dad and I really like. It's called the Jason Bourne series. Uh, you might have seen it. Um, he's a really cool dude, and he's this kind of like secret agent type of dude. But uh, we're introduced to this guy, and he has amnesia. He like lost a lot of his memory, right? And he can't forget his past, and he's trying to figure that out. And and he can like do karate, and like he's like really cool self defense. He can maybe speak different languages, do stuff with computers, right? So he's this really, really cool guy, but he's trying to find out who he, who he is. He's trying to figure out what his identity is. And then there's this, this force. There's, they're named Treadstone. They're trying to eliminate him. They're trying to, trying to make him unknown. There's this active force to make him unknown. And we have to be careful with our disobedience because that is an active force to make us unknown to try to erase our identity, to try to make us not distinct but blend in. We are not secret agents. We are public agents, <laughs> right? We, we exist to make Christ known. You are the light of the world. Don't put a basket over yourself. Your disobedience is an active force that drives, drives you away from who you are, your identity. No longer can... Can we be distinct? And that's the, the mission that God has sent us on, right? Is to be distinct, to preserve who he is. And we shine bright when our mission is holiness. We shine bright when we are, are obedient. And please don't get dis, uh, confused because the aim of, of this, of, of to be holy, is not, hey, look at me. Let's make a parade for me. I'm awesome. Right? The, the, the goal of this is to direct attention to the God who inspired those rules, the God who inspired us to live that way. We are a big neon sign that's pointing to Jesus. That's what we are. We're bright, we're, we're, we're attracting people, and we're saying, hey, that's the guy you want to talk to, not me. We are this, this arrow that points to Jesus, who he is, his, his grace, his mercy, his truth. We often forget about the truth. We want a lot of grace. We don't want a lot of truth. Right? But you and I, we exist to make God known. In a way that God has asked us to live that out, and, and a, a great tool to do that, to make God known, is our obedience. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Go be that wherever you go. Let's pray. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.